Old Georgia Buck is dead and the last thing he said Never let a woman have her way I took my razor blade and laid old Reuben in the shade Started me a graveyard of my own Started me a graveyard of my own. That's Tony Ellis, off stage and on the fly at the old Fiddler's Convention in Galax, Virginia. Welcome to Artworks, the program that goes behind the scenes with some of the nation's great artists to explore how art works. I'm your host, Josephine Reed. A multi-day competition of traditional and bluegrass music, the old Fiddler's Convention in Galax, Virginia is the oldest in the country. Aaron Marshall is director of the Blue Ridge Mountain Center and a first-rate fiddler. 78 years old, and it's called the Old Fiddler's Convention. Over a thousand competitors most years competing in the old-time and bluegrass categories, instrument categories as well as band categories. It's very prestigious to win the Fiddler's Convention or to place anywhere in the top 10 because often you're competing against 200 to 300 other performers in your category. It's not like a festival you go to and you just sit and watch a concert or performances. There's spontaneous jams happening all the time and traditional musicians get to play with people they've met just the day before and they might be from a different country or a different state. Local musician Gerald Anderson agrees. That's one thing that attracts a lot of uh, just regular bystanders. They like to come and just walk up and down the roads and see different people play. And of course, the stage show is going on all the time, too, and a lot of people watch that. But a lot of people tell me that their favorite thing is just walking up and down the aisles looking at all the different jam sessions. I was lucky enough to go to the Old Fiddler's Convention last week. And while I love the performances on the stage, I spent a lot of my time walking around the park and campgrounds where the convention takes place recording jam sessions, or just asking folks walking around with instruments to play. I can say without exaggeration, I have never seen so many talented musicians in one place in my life. Even though it's called the Old Fiddler's Convention, the age range of the musicians is immediately noticeable, with a remarkable number of young people playing old-time and bluegrass music. In fact, Monday evening is devoted exclusively to the youth competitions. Here's a couple of examples from backstage on Monday at the Fiddle Convention. I'm Tanner Henson. I'm Daniel Smith. I play the bass. And I play the fiddle. How long have you been playing? Three years. About two months. Two months? Let's go over on uh, Girl from West Virginia again. Virginia. I love Jenny and I guess I always will. I thought I was always gonna ramble. I thought I would never settle down. I met her in the hills of West Virginia, in the heart of a coal mining town.
Blake Lanning. And how old are you? 14. How long have you been playing the banjo? About four years. What made you pick it up? Um, I, there was a banjo always in the corner of my bedroom, and I, one day I picked it up, and my grandpa brought me to lessons, and I picked it up pretty quick. And are you his grandpa? Do you play? Not play the guitar, yes, ma'am. I sing a little, but he, he's my pride and joy. He really, really, well. really picked it up quick. And you can play something else if you want it. and took fourth place in the Youth Bluegrass Fiddle Competition, and Blake Lanning placed first in Youth Bluegrass Banjo. But young people aren't only consigned to Youth Night. You can see them on stage competing any night of the week, or hear them play as they try out a fiddle that's for sale. Tell me your name. Daniel Greason. How old are you? 16. Although he's only 16, Daniel took third place in the overall bluegrass fiddle competition. My guide to Galax and the fiddle convention was National Heritage Award recipient and former head of the National Council of Traditional Arts, Joe Wilson. Joe suggested that we meet at Barr's Fiddle Shop. Barr's is in the center of Galax, geographically and musically. It was a great introduction to the town. Every day of the week, you can find musicians in the shop coming together for jam sessions. The store motto is, anyone is welcome to come in and pick and grin. And that includes Stevie Barr, who owns the store with his father, Tom. Here's Stevie playing Sally Ann. By the way, Stevie took a ninth place finish in the bluegrass banjo competition. convention comes to town, the music moves from the store to the campgrounds. Bar's Fiddle Shop sets up a big tent where instruments are sold and musicians gather. That's where Joe Wilson hung out and caught up with his friends. Here he is with musician Tony Ellis, who we heard at the top of the show. Tony's known for his fiddling, but here is playing the banjo. Joe and Tony talk about National Heritage Award recipient Mike Seeger, who passed away in 2009. We're talking about Mike Seeger. I learned an old tune from old Doc Mungle in Bristol. 
Oh, yeah. Doc learned it from the town drunk from Rogersville, Tennessee, when he was just a boy. That front might have been some of my family. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but it's a pretty team. It's called Market Square. Market Square. Mike had never heard it. I've never heard anybody else play it. I learned it off Doc. But it, it's a pretty little tune. It's a simple two-finger yeah. tune. Played in G tuning. I've got this tune down to E. Oh, I love it. Nobody knows it or plays it. We need to record you playing that just for Mike. You know, uh, old Mike did so much good in this world. Yes, he did. So much good in these mountains. Yeah. Yeah, he Mike Seeger. And Tony helps me out by explaining the difference between old-time music and bluegrass. Old-time music, uh, more than bluegrass music. Now, I, I shouldn't say this because I'm primarily a bluegrass musician. But old-time music really does ring true. It speaks to the soul. It really goes to the roots of who you are and where you come from and, and the past in this country, people's history and their family's history. Whereas bluegrass is, is more uh, strident and, and more progressive going forward. and. Uh, it, it's almost like jazz nowadays. It's becoming quite complicated and difficult and extremely uh, talented young players are playing bluegrass now that are light years above my thinking and I'll, I'll never be able to play like that. It's, it's uh, very busy and very fast and furious at times and uh, very exciting. And that's why young people love it so much. It's, it is exciting. But I'm so old, I can't hardly think that fast, much less pat my foot that fast. Joe can't either. <laughs> Joe and I both just wobble around on canes and wonder scratch our heads. But I, I love the old music just for the love of it because it really does ring true. It speaks to you. It seems as though local legend and National Heritage Fellow Wayne Henderson knows half the population of southwestern Virginia. It's hard to figure out what Henderson excels at most, his guitar playing or his guitar making. Owning a Henderson is something guitarists dream of, and it's not for the impatient. There's a very, very long waiting list. Just ask Eric Clapton. He waited nine years for his Henderson. 
The sound of a Henderson guitar is so distinctive that without even looking, Joe Wilson identified one being played 10 feet away. Here's the proud owner. I'm Eddie Day. I'm playing a Wayne Henderson guitar, number 422. Tell me about the process of getting your Henderson. I guess it, I guess I first said something to him about it in maybe the year 2000 or something like that. When I was first started playing, really, I was like, yeah, I want one of them guitars right there. So I started asking him a little bit about it and everything. And it, so years and years later, finally, he got to working on it a little bit. I started going over to his shop a lot and hanging out and. When I'd go over there, he'd start getting the stuff out and start working on it, you know. And, uh, and so he, so I basically got pictures of the whole process, that, uh, from the from the cutting and the getting the wood cut out, sanded down, and through the thickness sander and, and all that. And just be fun to watch the whole process. What makes a Henderson guitar a Henderson guitar? It just, I don't know. He's got, I don't know if it's just the, the years he's been doing it. He's been doing it forever or what, but he just. They're just better than anything else you get nowadays. Plus, I went to the Martin factory one time and watched them playing it, watched them building them, and it's like, you know, each thing he does, he takes his pain. You got, you might have four old women just sanding a bridge and giving it up. It's like assembly line stuff. Nobody cares. They don't care what it sounds like. And he, he's not going to put out something that, Wayne ain't going to put out something that don't sound right, you know. He'll, he'll keep working at it till it's the way he wants it to sound. Can we have a sample? Yeah. Let's see, let's play a little bit of Salt Creek here on the on the old Henderson. Musician and luthier Gerald Anderson, who we heard from at the top of the show, dropped by to say hi to Joe and took some time to talk to me. Gerald learned about making string instruments from Wayne Henderson. I make mostly uh, guitars and mandolins. And the term for that is called a? Luthier, L-U-T-H-I-E-R. Do you know where that, where that comes from? It comes from a lute maker, uh, people who made lutes. And uh, that's a fretted instrument that is against a violin. So uh, when people started making guitars and, and mandolins and things, they, the title just moved over. Luther is a, the lute is an older instrument. And that was Joe Wilson. Did you do this when you were younger? How did you become a luthier? Did you play music? Uh, I played just a little bit in college, but basically when I got out of college, I didn't have a job, and I started hanging out in Wayne Henderson's shop. And he started me, first thing I had to do was sweep the floor for a few months. And then uh, he started me doing repair work. And I did that for several years and would occasionally make an instrument. I made my first guitar in 1977. And then in 81, I made my first mandolin. And when I did that, uh, a fella came in the shop and had a D28 Martin, which is the guitar we all really were crazy about, was Martin guitars. And he wanted to trade for a mandolin. So 
I said, well, yeah, I'll trade, for, I'll trade with you. So when that happened, I knew what I wanted to do, and I, I ended up sort of specializing in Malins because Wayne was making most of the guitars there. And there was also a gentleman up on the mountain named Albert Hash who was making fiddles, so Malins sort of became my little niche. So for many years I did that and did repair work. You worked with Wayne Henderson for 28 years? I did for 28 years, and near the end of that time, I was asked by the Virginia Folk Life for Humanity people to take on an apprentice. And I did that. That was Spencer Strickland. And uh, at the end of the apprenticeship, he didn't want to quit. So we, uh, Wayne's shop was so small, we ended up going and turning my basement into a shop. And Spencer helped me there for five years. And then now he's had a shop of his own in Carroll County for the last three years. You talked about Wayne teaching you and you took on an apprentice. So right. there's also a sense of, of passing this on, I think, that, that keeps the tradition alive. Absolutely, because uh, I just felt really fortunate that uh, Wayne was willing to do that. He had never had an apprentice, and I've heard him say that I was more, the most determined person he'd ever seen to make instruments. So I guess he got to the point he realized he wasn't going to get rid of me, so he just started me working. So, uh, so I consider myself very, very fortunate to have been in that position. And of course, I'd known him for a long time because I lived in the next community over from where he lived. So uh, it just sort of thing. It wasn't anything that was planned. Certainly, I, you know, I went to college and got a degree in anthropology and ended up making guitars and mailing. So it wasn't anything planned. It just happened. And I guess that's the way life happens. I guess. Then along came Herb Key. He plays music with Wayne Henderson and works in his shop too. At Joe Wilson's suggestion, Herb played the song Otto Wood, the Bandit. Otto Wood was a famous Robin Hood kind of a criminal. He was well thought of, but he broke the law a lot, and he stole from the rich and gave to the poor. I, my folks were poor, and we were poor there. He actually was born and raised in Wilkes County, North Carolina, where I'm from. He went off to West Virginia and stayed with some of his relatives up there. They were Hatfields. I know you've heard of those. And McCoys. Right. Okay, he learned a few things from them, learned how to scratch the fiddle, played banjo, later lost his left hand in an accident. He was trying to steal a rabbit out of a rabbit trap, and he had a shotgun leaned up against the bush that started to fall, and he grabbed it, and when it did, it went off and mutilated his hand. He lost his hand. He could no longer play the fiddle, but he strapped a spoon to the nub and played the banjo slide style much like Doc Walsh did later on. Yeah, so he was killed in a shootout in Salisbury, North Carolina in 1930, the last day of 1930. Shortly thereafter, the Carolina Buddies wrote this song called Otto Wood the Bandit. This is a guitar that I just repaired for this lady. And I'm supposed to meet somebody here and turn it over to them so she can get it. 1952 Gibson LG3. It's a good guitar. Step up, buddies, and listen to my song. Sing it to you right, but you might sing it wrong. Story about a man called Otto Wood. I can't tell y'all, but I wish I could. He stepped in the pawn shop a rainy day, and then he had a quarrel with the clerk, they say. He pulled out his pistol and he struck his fatal blows. This is the way that the story goes. Otto, why 
that new run Otto Dundee's gone Otto why didn't you run when the sheriff pulled out that 44 gun they spread the word this fast as they could and the sheriff served a warrant on Otto Wood the jury said murder in the second degree and the judge passed sentence to the penitentiary Put him in the pen, but it done no good Cause it wouldn't hold a man called Otto Wood It wasn't very long till he stepped outside Pulled a gun on the garden and take me for a ride Otto, why didn't you run? Otto, done dead and gone Otto, why didn't you run When the sheriff pulled out that 44 gun? Took him back and when he got well They locked him down in a dungeon cell He was a man who would not run Cause he always toted a 44 gun He loved the women but he hated the law And he just didn't take nobody's jaw Otto, why didn't you run? Otto, done dead and gone Otto, why didn't you run? When the sheriff pulled out that 44 gun in a southern town Salisbury they said Otto step this way we've been expecting you every day he pulled out his gun and then he said if you make a crooked move you'll both be dead you better crack up your car and take me out of town but a few minutes later he was graveyard bound Otto why didn't you run Otto done dead and gone Otto why didn't you run that's a great song thank you Otto was really a, an infamous criminal and when they shot him in Salisbury they had the largest crowd that they have ever seen down there in Salisbury this was in 1930 and they, well, I guess it was 1931, but the time he was buried, he was shot in 1930, the last day of 1930. And the Carolina Buddies wrote that song just a few weeks after that. And they had a big, big crowd, and they actually took up money and bought him a suit of clothes and paid for his transportation back to West Virginia, where at that time his mother lived, and that's where he's buried today. Later that evening, I got to watch and listen to a first-rate jam session as it came together. It began with fiddler Keith Williams. Suddenly, young Daniel Greeson, our third-place fiddle champion, jumped in on the guitar. By this time I had learned that everyone apparently plays more than one instrument, switching back and forth from fiddle to guitar to mandolin in the blink of an eye. Keith swapped instruments with Daniel for a while, then someone lent Keith a fiddle and those two went to town. Okay. 
Ivan Oglestreet happened to be passing by with his mandolin and liked what he heard. Now, I recognize Oglestreet from my wandering around earlier in the day. He had been jamming with another group, only then he was playing the dobro and singing. But tonight, he played the mandolin. I just let my recorder run. Get ready to tap your toes as you listen to this extraordinary jam session.
40,000 people come to Galax for the annual fiddle convention, a huge economic boost for the community. But Gerald Anderson says that's only the half of it. To me, it's more of a personal thing because this is uh, pretty much been a lot of our lives. That's what we do is music. And for me, it's music and instrument making. And my whole life's been centered around that sort of thing. Stevie Barr summed it up saying, I just can't wait for my son to play this music. His son, Gibson Thomas, was born on August 1st, 2013. You've been listening to Artworks, produced at the National Endowment for the Arts. Adam Campy is the musical supervisor. We heard music performed by Tony Ellis, Brittany Hinsdale, Tanner Henson, Daniel Smith, Blake Lanning, Daniel Greeson, Keith Williams, Ivan Oglestreet, Herb Key, Eddie Day, Stevie Barr, Aaron Marshall, and the Buck Mountain Band. Thanks to Gerald Anderson, and special thanks to Joe Wilson. The Artworks Podcast is posted every Thursday at arts.gov. You can subscribe to Artworks at iTunes U. Just click on the iTunes link on our podcast page. Next week, writer Nicholson Baker. It's a preview of the authors you can hear at the NEA-sponsored Poetry and Prose Pavilion at the National Book Festival on September 21st and 22nd. To find out more, go to arts.gov and click on News. To find out how artworks in communities across the country, keep checking the Artworks blog or follow us at NEA Arts on Twitter. For the National Endowment for the Arts, I'm Josephine Reed. Thanks for listening.